This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Kava and Ledin. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. What is up, everyone? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to the show, I am your host, Charlie Schramm. You are listening to Untold Stories. We're watching, hopefully watching, where twice a week together we get to dive deep with some of Bitcoin and crypto's most influential leaders to truly understand how this movement came to be. And today we get to dive in with Will Reeves. Will, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories today. Absolutely, Charlie. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, excited to see where we go today. I'm so excited to see where we go today. I love Monday, Monday podcast because I feel like the sky's the limit. There's so much that you can talk about and do. It's not like the end of the week. It's We have this stuff incoming. To give everyone a little bit of background of you, you're the CEO of Fold. Uh, one of the most famous companies in the in the Bitcoin and crypto space. You've been around. You guys have been around forever, and I think have become such a important part of the of Bitcoin's infrastructure. And really, one the one of the main products of of simply uh, creating a debit card that allows people to earn Bitcoin cash back. And we'll talk about why that is so important for for like an economy to be able to earn Bitcoin, not just have to buy it. We're going to get into that. Uh, uh, you're the CEO of Fold. And before that, you worked at the head of payments um, at Thesis. You also were a venture lead at 83 Ventures and a co-founder of Membo. What's really cool, what I was uh, doing some research, is that you were um, part of the early Google Store team. And uh, one of the, the people that brought that Lightning Pizza, which I remember was, it, it still is, is it around the ability for people to use the Lightning Network uh, on Bitcoin to order Domino's pizza anywhere in the U.S. So cool. Yeah, that was a that was a fun project. Yeah, I remember us hatching that idea, and we basically gave ourselves 30, 30 days, and we said, you know, Night, Lightning Network was very nascent at this time, and we said, let's create a project that will take the Lightning Network down. And so we thought, what do people love? What what can we appeal to everybody? Domino's Pizza. We plugged it in. We didn't quite take the network down, but we put a lot of stress on all the early early Lightning ecosystem. So it was a good a good uh, a good moment in Lightning's history kind of ask you a question on on lightning which is one of the things that I'm coming to realize as I go with the ethos of smart scaling is better than than fast scaling um a lot of people kind of compare bitcoin with with how it should be as it relates to all the other blockchains and protocols and platforms that exist today especially it's like how some of them can turn on with 20,000 what they call nodes or validators that are geographically dispersed for those who aren't watching. I'm a lot of air quotes here um, because decentralization is a immense, immense path. We look at a lot of them as comparing them to sovereign money, which only Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is, is the only cryptocurrency that is full of, of sovereignty. Do you think Lightning needs to also organically become a demographically, geographically dispersed network unto itself at its own rate and not kind of like the super fast, we need to like have it ready today type of angle that a lot of the other blockchains are going for right now. Because they feel I, like if we miss the boat, then we miss the boat. No, that's a, I, I know as someone who's been building in the Lightning ecosystem for a while, that's a, that's a constant pull. That idea that, um, Right now, and for the last four years, you've seen this essential, you know, Cambrian explosion of of other cryptocurrencies and blockchains meant to be faster, smarter, cheaper. 
And uh, as someone working in the lightning ecosystem, you know, there's that there's that old um, joke of, hey, it's only 18 months away. It's only 18 months away. And so, you know, we deeply feel that. But what is different about those people developing the lightning ecosystem versus others is that while other people can essentially get a proof of concept faster. Lightning is not here to create a proof of concept. It's it's here to preserve the foundational network um, uh, characteristics of the Bitcoin protocol. So decentralized, which, as you said, takes a very long time to do right, yes. to do well, uh, censorship resistant, and uh, keeping the sovereignty layer that the Bitcoin provides. And so to do that on a layer two is extraordinarily difficult and doesn't happen overnight. And so... One of the good things, and I think about the mindset of people working in the Lightning ecosystem, is that essentially we've been able to see thousands of projects come to market, all experimenting in their own way with their own use case, see various levels of traction. Most have zero, but some have pointed to things that could happen. And everyone in the Lightning ecosystem says, that will eventually be here. We are building the foundations to do that. And it just happens slower. And the reason why it's happening slower, it's because we're preserving those foundational elements that Bitcoin um, is is about, which these other projects sacrifice in the name of speed. There's a, a huge sacrifice in the name of speed. And it it's it's exciting. DeFi is wildly exciting, but we need to remember that it is wild. Just last week, we saw Polymark have a $600 million hack. But do you know what I did? The first thing I did was try to look for which other coins and tokens were affected because they all copy and paste code from each other. There are no standard libraries and people need to understand that this is all very wildly speculative at the time, but also experimental, which is, again, the ethos of everything we do with crypto is is experimentation. What I was trying to get at is the comparisons because you do need, like you said, censorship resistance. You need sovereign money to be able to do these larger things at scale. And while yeah, it's fun to experiment with, which I didn't know people were willing to experiment with billions of dollars, but it's fun to experiment with that. But at scale, remember why we all got here whenever we joined, we didn't just do it to rebuild some of the ways that we're borrowing and lending. We did it to rebuild the whole financial infrastructure. So then we create another one that people can choose to come to voluntarily creates a hedge against the other one, but there's no point to it if it's not censorship resistant and it's not sovereign money. If it's susceptible and it's to to a single person, even right now, or even a dozen or a few dozen people in a group, what's the point? What's the point? I agree. And I, I think you pointed to something that might be a bit controversial in the kind of Bitcoin community, but I, I think is really resonates. You know, at the end of the day, I don't believe that DeFi is a long-term competitor to Bitcoin um, as it scales. What I do believe, Bit, what DeFi shows us today is that there is an extraordinary large market of people interested in, in using uh, assets that are censorship resistant, decentralized. And being able to use these assets in very expressive ways, so whether that's lending or smart contracting, all of these things, there is an actual real desire for in a large market to do this. 
those things aren't available on Bitcoin today, although they will be. But what I what we do know and what we see is that there is a large market who wants to be using decentralized censorship resistant things in all these various ways, except right now, the DeFi protocols that they're using to do so are for the most part, none of those things, even though they're marketed as such. And so what the great thing as a builder in the Bitcoin ecosystem is that I know there's a very large market for people who want to be using Bitcoin. Oh, that's a good point. All different ways. And I think that's what we get to be excited about for the Bitcoin community is that essentially this product market fit, this opportunity has already been de-risked and we can go ahead and, and continue to build what we've been doing. Well, Bitcoin is not chasing it, if you will, right? It's not a, I don't see it as that like, it has to chase the features and the 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 wants and the needs of all these other DeFi protocols. But what we do, what we have realized, and this was realized years ago, and it's still, it's funny because we're talked about scaling in 2016. That's when it started to be talked about, 2015. But scaling isn't more, if not more important and more prevalent today. And it's interesting because it does take years. It could take a decade to scale the right way. Everyone wanted to scale. I remember like that month, we're like, all right, guys, like, we have a conference in three months. We need to figure out the scaling thing by November. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, what what Bitcoin's project is, is essentially the largest one there. It's taking on money itself, right? And so all of these other uh, DeFi projects that we see are essentially use cases on top of that. And so what Bitcoin first did and why it actually doesn't need to move that fast is because it took on the largest possible problem, self-sovereign, censorship-resistant, decentralized money, stateless money. That is there is no larger project in the sphere of economics or technology that I believe is that matches the scale of, of what Bitcoin is trying to do. And so what it did is immediately took a market that is the largest bit. And now what it gets to do, all what we get to see with DeFi and all these projects racing to the next conference, is these are other use cases that will essentially be subsumed into Bitcoin down the line. But Bitcoin doesn't need to move there fast. Bitcoin is actually just fine hardening what it is today. And so this is why I think the entire movement in, in, in advent of, of the Lightning ecosystem and in, in, in particularly builders in this is now this is a recognition that we have a, um, taken on the largest project. Now let's start to put earnest effort in building the second layers that are going to allow us to do all the things, all the expressive things that we would want to do with that base layer money. And so Lightning today could stop. If Lightning stopped development today, Bitcoin will still be an absolute success and will only become more successful down the line. Lightning, all it does is add dimensionality to that success over time. Oh, so the way you look at it is that Bitcoin itself is great. Doesn't need scaling, nothing. Bitcoin will never need to change ever. So when we looked at like changing the source code of Bitcoin five years ago, whenever that was, to increase blocks, it's not that what we were doing was wrong. It's that we were even talking about doing something on the main chain, on the main protocol. That was so wrong in and of itself. So flipping the narrative and flipping that script the way it is now is that, like you said, Lightning is a whole nother layer on top of Bitcoin and it has a whole ecosystem inside of it. What does that ecosystem look like? Well, you know, it's uh, I had the, uh, the the benefit of spending a whole weekend recently with some of the best builders in the Lightning space. And, you know, what Fold is doing, we are essentially at the top of the funnel. 
we are here to be the first instance of uh, interacting with Bitcoin or the Lightning Network for new people, people who are not already in the community, who are not already used to the technology. Fold essentially is about being that bridge into this new world. How can we create a product that meets people where they are today, provides value to them right now, and then segues them into this new world? And we then get to introduce them to all these other amazing builders and products and services in the space. And so what you'll see with Lightning now is something that is building up steam, everything from smart contracting that happens on Lightning. How can we take these kind of DeFi primitives, some of the things that you may have heard happening in that space, how yeah. can they apply here? And so that's everything from um, uh, prediction markets to uh, lending, borrowing. We also have huge benefit of remittance happening on the Lightning Network of instant transition of value across the planet, which at the base layer was so possible, cool. but it wasn't real time. And so my goal with Fold is to overwhelm all of these amazing Lightning builders who, are, who exist and are building lower down the funnel from us to overwhelm them with a demand in a market. And that's why I look at all these other spaces, the success of DeFi improving a market, maybe not a technology, but a market. For me, that gets me excited because now I can bring more and more people and then introduce them to these wonderful services being built below. Why do you believe that allowing people to earn Bitcoin is better than buying it? You know, it's uh, that that uh, realization was not instant for us. You know, Fold began uh, as a way for you to, you know, with, with this one idea. Is that, it's so hey, cool. I'm on the site now. There's this new thing called uh, Bitcoin and there's a lot of people that have it but they can't use it anywhere. This is the first problem that Fold was ultimately trying to solve was, hey, let's make Bitcoin actually usable and useful for people. And we allowed people to spend on chain, Bitcoin on chain, so waiting 10 minutes, high fees, flip that into a Starbucks gift card, and then they can use it at the checkout. So they, they can go to their friends and family and say, hey, look at Bitcoin is, is valued. Someone wants to accept this in exchange for a good or a service. And what we found is, is that while that was good for a, the small amount of people that had Bitcoin at the time, which was very early adopters, I wouldn't be surprised if a few you hundred <laughs> uh, miners, you know, the, you yeah. know, the very OG community. And that was that was a very, very small community that was subject to the winds of Bitcoin's market cycles. And so we took a step back and said, well, what is the real problem happening right now? And it was that the flow of Bitcoin was being stifled because yeah. there wasn't enough throughput in, in distribution channels for it to get in the hands of people. And when we look in the future, people will not be buying Bitcoin. People will be earning it. There was no liquidity. Yeah, there, there was, was nothing. Zero liquidity. There, was, there was no and cycle. So one, of the, one of the things that we saw is how can we add that liquidity at the same time of finding a channel to broadly distribute as much Bitcoin as possible to as many new people as possible. And so this is when we looked into the cash back model. So we were already at the checkouts, right? People were spending Bitcoin, getting their coffee, but everyone else in line was spending their credit card and getting rewards back. And so number one, they were incentivized to be using this, but also they were, this is a whole new flow of liquidity that instead of going into useless airline miles or points, that value we could just, redistribute back into Bitcoin. So number one, adding constant buy pressure to Bitcoin, but also a very, very easy way to expand Bitcoin's reach very, very quickly. You know, almost 80 to 90% of people in the US are part of 
some cash back program. This is a $200 billion market. And so if we were able to divert even 10% of this into Bitcoin, that would not only be a great thing for adoption, but the inflow of capital into the Bitcoin into Bitcoin itself, immense. whether it's a bear or bull market, yeah. would have would have immense implications. That's so smart. And that and and how would did that evolve to now? I'm on I'm on the site and I'm checking the to evolve to the product today. You've added so much game theory to it in 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 the spins, and you have different plans that you have now. How did that develop into the debit card model? Uh, it's it's such an amazing product and unique now. Yeah, we so cool. What I'm our team what year. our team does, we like to make Bitcoin fun, accessible, real. We like to we like to take one of the things that we know because our team is actually you know half you know hardcore Bitcoiners and half people who are really interested in this want to learn more, but maybe come from you know great consumer product backgrounds and they just really know how to move people. And so when we bring these two groups together, we see really interesting confluence happen, a lot of interesting product. And that's why Fold just feels different. And one of the insights that we had is that Bitcoin is something that has historically been stuck in the world of bits. It's not visible yeah. to people, right? One of the, there's no money that you can hold. It, it, it is a hidden thing. So what Fold tries to do is to make Bitcoin, number one, very accessible, but make it visible, make it fun, make it engaging. And so what we did was we created this concept of spin so that now when you use full debit card or a checking account, when you deposit funds, when you earn funds, when you invest in Bitcoin, these are all opportunities for you to earn rewards in Bitcoin. So it's gone with the model of earning cash back where it's something that happens passively in the background where you don't even know it. Now it's very active. And so now I was just going to ask, how does that work? Like, do I get to choose which purchase to spin on? Like, I, obviously, I want to do a larger purchase. What are the rates involved yep. here? So we uh, what we do is it's you so swipe cool. the debit card <laughs> and then you spin. And that spin is going to give you anywhere from 1% back to 100% back. And 12 people have won an entire Bitcoin already. Oh, so this is and this is only since it launched in November. And so the idea with the spin is it's something, you know, what almost akin to what we'd think about as proof of work. The more you use this card, yeah. the more you get rewarded. So there are people who are earning nine to ten percent cash back on this card. There are other people who maybe just got it, maybe earning one percent. But the idea is the more you learn to use it and the more strategically you use it, the more you can get. And so we try to really imbue the product with being fun, but also being kind of true to how Bitcoin's incentives work itself. Do you spin every purchase or you choose which, 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 oh, every, every purchase, purchase is a you spin. Get spin. That's crazy. I just won the jackpot at the Wheel of Fortune slot machine yesterday, like $2,000, not a huge jackpot, but I was very yep. excited. I'm feeling lucky. I got to spin the wheel. I'm like spinning all these wheels. So this is, you know, this is an important piece of what Fold is trying to do, you know, we have this spin, which is essentially like a design like a basic primitive. human thing when you're a baby, too. Yeah. It's so brilliant. The it's spinning so, of the it's, wheel. It's that, but it's also so it's two things. It's number one is a it is a thing that's built into us as people, but also it's a very social thing. You're walking at your wheel of fortune and it creates a social look. So every time people are customers are at the grocery store or at the coffee shop. They're spinning and it gets a public thing that's happening with a win here. What did you win? Bitcoin. Tell me more about Bitcoin. It creates this whole incentive to actually do this. But one thing, I think the most important 
piece is the thing that I like to highlight is that this is using a model that historically has been extracted from people, right? So a casino environment with that sure. you spin and ultimately the house always wins. But with Fold, we deploy these same tactics, but it's additive. You cannot lose. You will always come out with more Bitcoin than you did prior to that spin. And so what Fold tries to do is really focus on incentives and how to change people's deep-seated behaviors to then reorient them to new opportunities, new possibilities, which we are pointing them towards Bitcoin. Yeah, you're repurposing that old technology too. And I like businesses that you don't have to figure out how they make money too. And this is like, you can understand how Fold does and how the business works and what incentivizes you as a business now is is the customer itself and the user, the spinner. So it's very like public and transparent. At the same time, You've taken a huge stake in the Lightning Network in terms of, of Bitcoin as well. Have you ever felt even an inkling of a thought of like, maybe we should do our own blockchain even now or do something? Because a lot of people do succumb to that. Yeah, um, I will tell you that that, that um, you know, Fold's been around long enough to have seen the opportunity in front of us, right? Uh, and a lot of people went down that path. Uh, but with what Fold we wanted to do is that we saw that ultimately as a distraction in our own development of what we were trying to do. The yeah, more we sense. focus on doing something like that takes us away from being really smart at these incentive mechanics about creating a wonderful user experience that anybody can use. So it would all of those things were really thought of as a distraction. And what they ultimately promised was, you know, essentially riches for the founding team. It really didn't help with our mission at all. And so we haven't found a uh, a viable reason to justify putting those resources there versus um, what we've done today. And I think that's why Fold is still around. I think that's why Fold has such a great community is because people really trust what we do. They know that we do things differently, but also we are focusing on the thing that I believe that we have a shared value is that we are going to be transitioning the world to a foundation of sound money and we're going to make that fun, right? A lot of times this stuff is wrapped up in, you know, being very serious about, you know, nation states, uh, game theory. I'll, but what Fold does, we take it to a much more personal level, something that you will have fun doing with your kids or your friends. And it personalizes, it humanizes this, this technology that's ultimately not visible to anybody. It's, it's very hidden, unless you're a miner, maybe, or someone running a node. It's, very, it's not something that's easy for people to get. And so what Fold really tries to do is how do we change behaviors via incentives that ultimately drive the world to uh, the adoption of what we believe is a, a sound money standard. It's like you're doing this for Bitcoiners, made for, by Bitcoiners, for Bitcoiners, and that that we've been talking about on this show the last uh, uh, year or so is this kind of like uh, asset and social class, social class that has come out of everything is this Bitcoiner. You know, there's that famity, famous um, Roman term. You could travel anywhere in the Roman Empire and you can as long as you're a Roman citizen, you'd be you'd be good. And yep. then the famous JFK speech he did when he said, like, I'm a Berliner to show that we're all the same. And then now I'm saying, like, I am a Bitcoiner um, yep. and we all are. And so you have a product for Bitcoiners. And this is actually really cool. I'm intrigued. What are the spending habits of Bitcoiners? Where do we shop? What, what, are our, what do we do? Who are we? The, the funny thing about that is Fold starts from the premise that everyone is a Bitcoiner. They just don't know it yet. And so <laughs> what happens is, is that 
Wherefold started in our early days, even just even back in November, these spending habits start to look just like everyone else's spending habits. We need to buy groceries. We need sure. to do this. We know for Bitcoins overall, Bitcoiners overall, and the, the ones who've been around more, they're spending a little bit more on Bitcoin, I will tell you that. But generally, they, they look very similar. And Fold's, Fold's goal here is, I, I think you, you said it right, you know, we are building for Bitcoiners, but we believe everyone's a Bitcoiner, they don't realize it yet. But we believe that the path to the rest of the world is through Bitcoiners. We, we've already, we already know that the way that we're going to get the adoption from the rest of the world is through people. It's not through some, you know, some inhuman yeah. money just, just invading the minds of people. No, it's through, it's people bringing these ideas to, to people that didn't have them before, their friends, their family, a new place, a new country. And these are essentially emissaries, evangelists of, of Bitcoin. And what Full is doing is trying to create a product that arms these people with the most effective, fun, accessible way to start the adoption cycle of new entrants to the space. And so it's a funny thing because we build for Bitcoiners, but we also are building a product that's for not Bitcoiners that will become that. And so we have to, we, it's an interesting balance. What are you building? What, what was that? What are you building? Well, we're building an adoption machine. I'll tell you, I'll give you a secret. I'll, 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 I'll expose something that's dropping. There are people listening to this, by the way. We're not private, just you and me. I'm just letting you know. Yes. I so, I mean, right here is that <laughs> we have um, very soon, Fold will be dropping an experience that brings the world of Bitcoin, which exists in bits, to the world of atoms so that you can actually tangibly see this. And using our you know, foundation on and right incentives, having wonderful design, Fold will be launching a Bitcoin AR experience that allows anybody to find Bitcoin around them, to send Bitcoin physically to others around you so that you can discover it. You can drop places on the top of a mountain. That's so cool. Before. And so just think about um, what happened with something like a Pokemon Go, but apply that to Bitcoin. And somehow Pokemon Go was, was able to make, you know, yeah, massive success, rare creatures real. We're going to make Bitcoin real in this way that makes it visible, tangible and fun. Just, you know, the mission of what we're what we're doing. Hey, guys, I'm Charlie Shrem. Wanted to congratulate our sponsor, Kava, because Circle chose the Kava platform as one of their newest blockchains and protocols. They're going to be launching USDC on. Traditionally, USDC has only been on Ethereum and one or two other chains like Tron. But now there's a bunch of other blockchains. The Kava platform is one of them, and you can access all of those super cool DeFi high yield opportunities that are on the Kava platform now with USDC, which we know and love. So check them out at untoldstories.link forward slash Kava. And congratulations, guys. Having Circle choose y'all as the top blockchain for USDC to be launched on is a big freaking deal. So we've partnered with Ledin, which is going to be a better home for your Bitcoin. And we're giving away to all you guys, my listeners, $50 in free Bitcoin. And all you got to do is go to untoldstories.link forward slash L-E-D-N and take out your first Bitcoin loan. That 50 bucks in Bitcoin that we're giving you is basically going to cover the interest of your first few months. So you're getting an interest-free loan anyways. You might as well check it all out. You can earn interest on your Bitcoin and USDC through their savings accounts offering you the best rates in the industry at 6.10% APY on your first two BTC and 8.5% on the USDC. They're really awesome because you have Bitcoin-backed dollar loans if you need cash and you don't want to sell. I use them. They're so good. 
And what's very important that I look out for in this whole DeFi space, when we're talking about formal proof of reserves, these guys have done attestations by a public accounting firm called Armanino LLC, raising that bar for transparency in the industry. They're backed by Coinbase Ventures, King Kingsway Capital, and a bunch of others too. So make sure you check them out at untoldstories.link forward slash L-E-D-N. We're giving away $50 in free Bitcoin. All you have to do is take out that first loan. www.untoldstories.link forward slash L-E-D-N. You guys are going to love them. Check them all out. So, I mean, that is kind of the next step into the metaverse when you're talking about the ability for me to leave value on the top of a mountain and then someone can come and get it at any time. The metaverse, as I understand it, will be able to achieve that when there's no like pausing, rewinding, fast forwarding. It's like there's a constant state that exists in that online world and the state never changes. Now, I never really understood how you could do that without something like blockchain technology, where the state exists outside of the control of a centralized, you know, like company, you know, obviously Ready Player One, there was still that key, that back door. Imagine, so what you're talking about is really that first step in yeah, that. So in that. That's so let me let me show you how this is going to go. So right now, to get to get a full debit card, you need to go through a typical bank account process, which means you have to go through KYC. You have to get your bank set up. You have to deposit funds via ACH or another debit card. All of that is something that every single person, you know, almost in the world, except those that are unbanked, actually already know. That's the, that's the state of affairs. That's just this. That's just how yeah, things are. Yeah, this is how things are. But now, all that activity, all the economic activity they're doing in that world is now generating Bitcoin. And now what happens when that Bitcoin goes in, into a self-hosted, self-custodied wallet that is within Fold? That you can access within full, but you earn the key. You have the keys. So now you're going from a world where all your custody and all your access is reliant on a bank saying yes or no. Now all that economic activity is funding a new paradigm where you own the keys, where you own the custody, where there is no one saying you can have access. And now you have a wallet full of thousands of dollars of of today's dollars in Bitcoin, a self-custody wallet where you can take anywhere. And now in this metaverse that you're talking about, can drop funds for other people. And essentially what it does is it creates an AR layer over a Bitcoin wallet, a self-hosted, self-custodied wallet. So now users can have full sovereign control over their funds, but also exist on this plan and interact in this way that makes it fun, engaging. And so we Fold is all about balancing that idea of we live in this world. How do we get to this world? Why is that world so important? You and I understand why sovereign money is so important, but why? I was having this discussion with my neighbor actually yesterday. We were discussing, he understands what Bitcoin is very deeply. He's an engineer, built factories for factories. That's what he did. Coolest guy ever. But he, we were having a debate over the why self sovereign money is important. I think the main thing is that it solves a problem of um, alignment and incentive alignment with human coordination. So what that means is, is that every single thing, you know, you and I do, we have two ways really to interact. We have our speech and our, in our actions. And then we have a proxy for that, which is our exchange of value. It's, it's, it's much harder to, to censor our speech because no one is controlling my voice box or giving me KYC over my vocal cords, right? Increasingly, that's happening. That you know, could online. be something. Yeah, that could China it, it, or whatever it, is doing that. It could that. be, right? But yeah. that's, that's essentially 
what you have in, in this monetary system we have is that there's someone and always a medium that you need to pass through to deliver information or data to other people to coordinate with other people. Now with money, our generation for the past, you know, um, you know, 100 years, we have always been mediated by someone in between who is able to distort, stop, censor that activity between people. And what that does is it starts to misalign incentives. Now it's not how Charlie and I can best engage and be most productive together. It's now has to be mediated through the lens of what this intermediary would like us to do. And so yeah. I think... Yeah, wow. So you think? I think it just, I think what it does is removing that layer allows us to be a lot more clear and efficient for, for what actions make most sense for you and I. And I think today's stories of what's happening in Afghanistan, people lining up at banks, unable to pull their money out for their livelihood is one example. You have people sending remittances is another. They can't send money to their family because there's some global beef between, you know, two random nations. And even in the U.S., you know, there's a there's an there is a use case for Bitcoin everywhere. I, I think I look at Bitcoin as a prism. You look through it and you will see something unique to yourself, whereas someone else looks through it, they're going to see something unique to them. And I think what we're seeing with all these builders out in the space is that prism, the, the vision is there. And now the services and the infrastructure needed to mediate that vision are also coming to the coming to life. You, you talk about alignment and then you bring up Afghanistan. And I almost wonder, you know, and it's so terrible what's going on right now. but but if we do talk about like how Bitcoin and, and this technology could change that differently, if you're aligning citizens with their uh, the, the lawmakers or the, the elected government or the people, if the incentives were aligned in that situation, then you'd have a much more wanting for like a stable government or a transition of power in a stable way. You'd have the people wanting that. How could we, is, is like El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tender? Is that the next step? I read an article the other day saying with Afghanistan, if like a, a new nation state said, yes, we're going to have fiat currency, but 5% of your fiat is backed by Bitcoin. So there was a mechanism to just 5%. So, but that doesn't create a small amount of like trust or alignment in you wanting that government to now succeed because the monetary system is you have am i making sense yeah i mean i i think i think what we're seeing with uh el salvador the other countries that are that are um have expressed interest in in a new relationship with bitcoin what we're seeing is an experimentation level happening at a whole nother macro uh, scale whole, at a macro scale we haven't seen before and what that means is experiments don't always succeed. And there are going to be various ones. And I think that the, the right thing to happen is for us to support in the best ways we can earnest efforts at these new experiments. We have to go in their eyes wide open that not all of them are going to just be wildly successful and be perfect right away. This is the same thing as scaling layer two. Do you know how many layer two implementations on a Bitcoin have been proposed? There's many different, there's liquid, there's lightning, there's side chains, there's so many. And that this, this is going to be the same process that happens at a social macro layer that we're going to start to see. What happens when Bitcoin and government not become adversarial, but what happens when they start to collaborate a little bit? What does that look like? And it's not oh going my God. to be simple. It's not going to be simple. And no. so I don't know. I don't know what the right mix is going to be, but as someone who's a builder, 
I know the only way to get there is through experimentation and putting it out into the real world and seeing what happens and iterate from there. We had a, I mean, you don't know where it can go either. We had uh, Mayor Conger from Jackson, Tennessee. He's a Bitcoiner. He was on the show a few episodes ago. And he's talking about in City Hall mining Bitcoin, but not just for a revenue stream. And I, and that's why I love doing these podcasts when I learn some people say the most brilliant things. He said, Charlie, by us mining Bitcoin, Jackson, Tennessee has a seat at the table of the future paradigm. My city, my 70,000 constituents, citizens that, that live here and own property here have a seat at the future decision-making table. I'm like, you need to be president, man. Like, you're yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, th there's a reason like this, the meme of Bitcoin is hope, is there? I mean, uh, you know, what, what table is he even talking about, right? It's for someone like him who is an elective official deeply embedded into, you know, existing, you know, incumbent traditional ways of both governing, but also, you know, how our politics work for him to see at this level that there is a table number one to sit at. And that's a table that he wants to have the outside chance of actually being there is a, that's a huge paradigm shift in how people are thinking about it. The fact that we had Senator Lummis and, and others. Oh, yeah. On, on the Congress, on the floor of the Senate, defending with actual real cogent arguments about what this means is, I think, is I think that's the largest story that we've seen this year. I think El Salvador is really powerful, good, but to see at the highest levels of a the world's superpower to have a not just and, and not only this embedded in one of the largest bills out there. Now we may not have gotten the outcome we wanted, but. This discourse took center stage, even away from what this infrastructure bill was even doing. It was all really about this. And so as we see Bitcoin's kind of mind virus get deeper and deeper in these people, as people get smarter and smarter, you know, the thing was, let's not regulate what we don't understand. I guarantee you now, every person in the Senate has their staffers putting together what a what the hell is Bitcoin and what how what do we need to know about it? And so this is going to, I think, accelerate a lot of thinking around it, but it also means that we need to be more and more prepared for things that we don't want to see happen because it's, we've now, we're now no longer this interesting, yes. weird community happening on the side. This is now center stage and we need to act, we need to be prepared for the implications of that. And also the why. They're asking themselves the why because what we taught them the fact that Senator Lumens was out there and, and you have the mayors and congresswomen and congressmen, everyone, we're all Bitcoiners. And that creates this, this class that we are and we're above. And you can have a politician or anyone anywhere in the world. Doesn't matter the religion, doesn't matter your, 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 your skin color, your sexual orientation or anything you want. Any, it doesn't matter any of that stuff. We're all above that now. And for the first time, that mind virus that you said, we're now, it's now this new thing. I've never seen this in the history of the world. I've yeah. never seen it about it. I study history. And it's I think, why, I think why it's so interesting, and I think why I would say something like, I think that's maybe the biggest story of this year is because, um, you know, this country is for all of its faults and for, for all of its in practice and history of all, all the, all the missteps and all the, the gaps between what we say we are and what we actually do are so huge, but we actually do like to believe and we do hold dear some of this like founding understandings of what it is for this experiment called 
America to be, the United States, what that is, that gives a really powerful narrative and um, philosophical foundation, which I think Bitcoin will thrive in. As we start to see you know, uh, China moving very, very fast towards its CBDC, its, its central bank yes. currency. Very fast. There's there and you start to see what happens when people on the left and the right in the United States government all defending Bitcoin for various reasons, whether it's financial inclusivity or, hey, we don't want to stifle innovation. P- progressives and conservatives are finding a philosophical mm. footing in in Bitcoin. And I think what that points to is that it's that's not going to happen in every single country. It's either going to happen here or countries maybe like El Salvador that want to have a, a seat at this table and have you know an, an, an innovation story to maybe help some of their people as well along the way. But for Bitcoin, I think is one of the most American inventions possible. And I think if there's any country that can possibly see past you know a desire to absolutely move towards a you know an authoritarian central bank currency and, and have a real place for a currency that is open to everyone all creeds races religions everything i think that is that is something that at least i believe should and, and could happen here faster than anywhere else because well, when did that belief change for you precedent. when did that belief change for you because just on this show i would have guests a year ago saying and I was agreeing, saying that uh, innovation of Bitcoin was moving overseas, and American America completely missed out. Well, it it it. I think it. I think what happens is that the levers, and I think that's a that's a real worry. So, like, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm there is no rose colored glasses here. Sure. I think we have an opportunity here that is unique to us, and that if we continue go down, going down this path of legislating it out of the United States, it, it definitely will. But I think just seeing this mind virus and what we saw on the on the floor of the Senate, none of these people really had to do anything. But what I think a lot of them are starting to realize is that the Bitcoin constituency as voters is one of the largest voting blocks in the United States. It's larger than they finally the, realize that I've been telling you for 10 years. It's, it's larger. And this is what this is a, a, a side thing of what Paul does, like my, what I say kind of secretly to myself, my team, is that we're not just building a company that that is here to build Bitcoiners or to give people, you know, sats back or, or Bitcoin back on their purchases. What ultimately we're, we're doing by introducing it to people that never had it before is building a new voting block, a new constituency to defend Bitcoin when it needs to be there. And so I think as this progresses and as people realize that that there's real power, both economic and um and and, and just you're right your dude feet. you're right you're right this I was think, a big watershed we're turning, moment we're turning there is a momentum here that i think can't be dismissed and while we may drive it overseas i think the the power of the the power of bitcoin as an american force in american politics has only just begun and we saw the tip of that over the last few weeks it was such a watershed moment and it was humbling seeing the mobilization of of everyone and anyone who had a, even a minuscule following was mobilizing them. I mean, you're seeing it. You would see Jesse from Kraken mobilizing Brian Armstrong from Coinbase and Brian yep. actually like, but I never saw that level of cooperation ever. The last time I did was when Bitcoin was almost forking in 2013. That level of cooperation brought me back to, to yes, like all that, that we've been missing, that philosophical footing that you cannot find in any single other 
blockchain token coin or platform that does not exist anywhere. It was nice to see that again. Yeah. So I think we're hopeful. I think there's there's so many dangers along this pathway. Um, but if if we were just purely talking about uh, if we were only talking about the world of ideas where the idea of Bitcoin could take hold and be understood better than anywhere else, I really do think right here in the United States is a central place for that. Now it's going to other yes. countries are clearly going to move faster. I think El Salvador making brave moves there. I think other countries, Nigeria also. But ultimately, these places are also looking for new opportunity. They're looking for what what the world could be to change their lot in this world to, for their own people, their own economic security. And so for them to make a bet on Bitcoin is makes perfect sense. And they may see it more clear than anybody. But in terms of it in the United, its future in the United States, I think it is an American story um, that is that is only gaining steam. And I think just seeing us and the Bitcoin community look around and say, there's number one, there are tens of million, millions of us here. But also, unlike other movements in the past, these people have real economic power behind them as well. You know, you, 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 this is why you had the, yes. uh, all, all of these people were looking up what it, what it costs to, you know, bankroll politicians these days. And for many, you know, Bitcoiners out there who've been sitting on their stash for a while, uh, you know, that's could count for several politicians that get in their back pocket. So, you know, there's no, there's this weird combination of what It's already have, happening. There it's it already is. happening. People like like uh, the governor of Florida, he DeSantis, who will probably be the Republican uh, nominee for the next presidential. He I'm a big fan of him because privately I know how deeply he cares about understanding Bitcoin and blockchain technology. Not only has he created this task force, but he's constantly asking uh, people that I'm close to for to do dinners, to set, you know, for things like that. Uh, he's a very accessible person. So I'm excited. I think that you have Mayor Conger. You have, uh, uh, oh, it's so cool. Like I was, um, we're going to Colorado in a few weeks and I was telling my wife, oh, it's great. We're going to see, we're going to be in Colorado. You have a, you have a Bitcoiner as the governor there, Jared Polis, governor. It's, but it's cool to like be in that, that world that we know which politicians are Bitcoiners. You almost like want to go to those places. It's so cool. It's, you're going to see support for Bitcoiners coming out. There's, I, I, there's going in the next wave of elections. Uh, I guarantee you we're going to see an absolute explosion in candidates coming out in support of Bitcoin, not only because they believe in it, but also they want to get that voting block in the constituency. And so I think we are going to be looked at as a powerful voting block and constituency going forward. And um, yes. that cannot be underestimated. That's it's it's going to shake things up. And so I, I, I hope it happens faster. Because we are in a in a fragile state right now, where the levers of power aren't quite in our in our, in our control, as we saw with the infrastructure bill, didn't quite end the way we wanted. But I think uh, we've se we've sown the seeds to have something truly powerful. I want to leave off something really quick because you you are not a maximalist. You don't come off as one. Do you believe that there needs to be maximalism at all in in any technology? Uh, I I absolutely do believe that. Any movement that has had any staying power uh, in this world throughout history had a element of maximalism involved in some way. Oh, interesting. Um, interesting. Now, what I do believe is that maximalism. But usually for worse, involved, though. Like, I'm not thinking of any major positives. I think what maximalism at the social layer it is a is an important piece of its decentralization. 
its resistance to change has to mean that only very studied cogent ideas can make it past the social layer just like in the on the on the technological layer the same thing has to happen right anybody can go and write a, uh, you know a bit or an improvement right for bitcoin then it has to be then actually accepted then it has to then be actually published now who cares are the nodes running it are the miners running it and that's a battle of ideas right ultimately that's a battle of ideas and so i think maximalism is the representation of that process at the social layer of ideals. And I think it is an important, essentially, uh, gating factor for any wild new notions to take over the, take over the movement. So that I think, um, while sometimes you can see negative effects come out of it, I think ultimately is, it a, is it's a positive. And what you'll see more and more is that as consensus around Bitcoin as something that is important and valuable to us, starts to actually become more and more embedded into the mainstream psyche of 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 everyday people that 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 maximalism will have to evolve and it will be doing different things and that's why we already see yeah at the level of the lightning network i'm going to go back to is that this level of builders are building things that the maximalist consensus you know three four years ago would never even consider they would say, let's ossify the protocol, nothing more, nothing new. And now you see this flourishing of new ideas happening on the layer two here. And so maximalism is something that will involve. Sometimes it can overreach. Sometimes it go too much. But ultimately, I'm too bullish on people's ability to create new tools and brand new ideas that are really effective and that help people that will break through any so-called maximalism if they're valuable. enough. Yeah, I think you're right. I've been preaching, I've been preaching against maximalism in a way, but I guess I should repurpose what I, what I say to people in, in that I, I, I'm not a fan of, of hostility in any, in anything. And so when you would see some of the personal sniping and attacking and stuff like that, turn me off, but it came yeah. from maximalists on every side from, from certain alt Ethereum maximalists, maybe worse than, you know, ripple maximalists don't even get me started, <laughs> you know, like that, or the XRP army is, has that the infamy for a reason, you know, state, you don't want to offend those guys and girls, but very, very interesting. I need to, I need to, to take some time to think over the next few weeks about this. And you've given me a lot of opportunity, um, to question a lot of my, of my own beliefs here. So thank you for that. Thank you for taking the opportunity and the time and coming on untold stories. I'm very excited about the folds card. I'm going to apply here. Uh, anyone can go to foldapp.com. Uh, Fold is the best way to earn Bitcoin back on everything you do. You can use a Fold Visa debit card, purchase gift cards from the Fold store, or use the, the actual debit card and earn Bitcoin. You can spin the wheel and maximize. It's so cool. We've been talking about it. Thank you so much, Will Reeves. We appreciate you. Thank you, Charlie. It was a pleasure talking today. I feel like that uh, maybe uh, in a, a little while down the line, you and I will have be able to see some of the conclusions of yeah. what we spoke about today. So we might have to have a recap to see how wrong or right we were. Oh, I need to do that. I think I'm going to start doing that. I think you gave me a good idea for season two. I'm like episode 215 into season one. But I think what I'm what I'm my idea is for season two, your work with me here. This is a good idea, I think, is that I go back to all of the guests from season one and I analyze our shows and we talk about what we talked about and how that's changed over like yeah. the past. I'll go start from the first guest from May 2019. May 2019 was a very different world now, August 2021. 
Oh, this is exciting. I'm going to do this. Thank I you so wait. much. I yeah, it's going to be fun. I think it's a good retrospective, right? We got to we got to constantly check ourselves and uh make sure we're 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 calibrating in the right direction. I I think that's a fun idea. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Talk to you soon. All right, Charlie. Bye.